1: yeah you know why because I was
2: stoned last night when I put that intro in. that's why I <laughs> that was the wrong you know it doesn't matter we all know why we're here I am going to uh, welcome the black ball everybody my name is James D. Fiore Klondike papers um it's an interesting story because anytime a dossier is normally dropped uh, it, it is shared with certain legacy media outlets and they pour over the documents and they uh, sometimes consult with intelligence agencies to see if there's any redactions that need to take place. Sometimes they even work with each other. Um, in the famous uh, Edward Snowden uh, document, Cash, I guess you would say, um, you know, it, it was, uh, and, and, the, and the Julian Assange stuff, it was the New York Times, I think, and the Guardian and, and the Washington Post, and they all kind of coordinated together, and there was sort of like this uh, symbiotic relationship between, you know, media and and, you know, like uh, authority, uh, you know, like the CIA even and, and you know, the, the, the FBI. And there was all this coordination done. Now, what's different about the Klondike papers, and I'm going to say the first thing that's probably the most important and right off the bat is that um, the assembly and the production of the Klondike papers, as they look when they're sent right now to journalists, um, it just wasn't done by a person that knew how to catalog it. And the reason why that's important is because there's a lot of chatter happening right now about why there isn't any legacy outlets that are really covering this. And some people have said, you know, because it's bullshit, and some people have said because maybe um, uh, they need to get the documents confirmed. I'm telling you, one of the main reasons, as someone who's looked over this document for at least 24, or sorry, at least 25 to 30 hours, it's not assembled by story. So in other words, if you're if you're looking for something um uh and you and you keyword search a name and that is definitely the subject of the story that you're trying to settle, it's like a puzzle. There's there could be three documents right where that important document is, but then you have to go like three thousand pages in the other direction. Um and and this isn't a not by the way it was done by uh, Richard Marsh, you know the person that escaped from the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, who is not a trained journalist, uh, but he was trying to do a lot of people a favor by exposing the stuff that was that's in this dossier. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because I think that th- that is something that people are not talking about. Um, people are making judgments. Um, I'm gonna bring Ryan Lindley in right now to sort of help me sort this out a little bit. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the Black Vault. There is a, um, a a weird pattern happening from when the Klondike papers first came out to now, um, where a lot of people were like were really excited and then caution started to creep in and then now everyone's just sort of like, well, I don't know, let's just wait for the better smoking guns and, and for this story or for that story. And I'm wondering, like, you know, what, I, what are your thoughts on the basically on the uh, timeline of this and, and, and how it was released and, and the legacy media not really doing anything like, you know, did I get any of that wrong or is it all speculation still at this point? No, I think I think you've
3: got it. <sighs> What I was—I I had a conversation today with somebody about this, and it was the fact that we seem to be in a ru- like—it's—it's it's hard to explain without sounding weird. Uh, we seem to be in a rush um, to to find a juxtaposition to the like the answer to the right wing conspiracy theory when it comes to like it's a very gotcha on both sides mm-hmm. without anybody really trying to find the validity or the truth in the middle of it, right? So you you you've got you know Justin Trudeau's dad's uh uh Fidel Castro and you've got water makes frogs gay and like like the the, the weird crazy ones that come from the right and mm. then you get something with that smells like we like we know that there's involvement we know we know there's a top down involvement from a lot of things on the right it's very compartmentalized when it comes to their, funding and where where support comes from so this one when you saw it from the surface coming from the people it came from that actually are on the record being involved there was a very 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 um tangible truth to it so just just that in an overall sense right there was a very it was touchable you could actually see it and feel it and read it and Hmm then as 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 things started to i think it was an excitement thing over over fact maybe i like it's i, I still am at like an, some of us I'm got a ahead a loss. of us yeah, yeah i'm at an i'm at a loss when it comes to trying to explain the fervor on the the side of people that um try to extol themselves as the you know very level-headed left-wing i just want the truth and well if that's the case then Sit the fuck down and wait for the truth. Everybody's working on it. This is literally 7,000 items big, including videos, pictures, documents, emails. And as you said, you said it perfectly. When you look at it, it looks like somebody brought that dossier into a room and like Kevin from the office dropped the chili. And it's (laughs) everywhere. And now you've got to try and pick it back up and figure it out. So
2: I was talking to someone today at the library about, uh, and this could be not even a true story, but it was told to me by this like, guy that visited our high school to talk about like writing. Anyways, he told the story. I don't care if it's not true. It, it, it reminded me of that the uh, William Burroughs Naked Lunch manuscript, when he brought it to his publisher, I, the, the publisher read it and was like, this is disgusting. This is filthy. And he threw it at William Burroughs. And they were separated in chapters and he just gathered them up in random order, walked across the street in, uh, on Madison Avenue, gave it to another publisher and they published it in that random order. And that was the naked watch, right? <laughs> this document, we're not so lucky. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's so many things. And, and look, some of the things that are a little bit eyebrow raising aren't really even crimes. Like no. for example, um, I still think it's important that Shapur hire David Wallace to basically hunt down Richard Marsh because the church cult wanted him. I just think that's interesting. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like
3: for whatever reason, that's an interesting thing. You know, like it's, it's something that should raise questions. Like why would you do that? You know, like and that's fine. But I just, I, again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves when it it comes to um, inventing uh, the end of the story. You know, like, and I think a lot of people are doing that with just some sort of mm. preconceived notion of who we're dealing with here. So I think, I think it's a smart thing to do to just kind of take a deep breath and, and let yeah. the story play out as it unfolds and let, let people do the work. Let Like there's a lot of footwork to be done. And this is literally for us anyway, weeks old, you know what I mean? Like a couple
2: of weeks. Yeah. And, and you know what, we, we, we have this neat, like, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think the social network, the movie is like, it's not my favorite movie or anything, but it's kind of a flawless movie. And the, the pace of it and everything, this is going somewhere, don't worry. Um, and there's one part where uh, the dude that plays um, Zuckerberg is like, we don't even know what this is yet. Mm-hmm. Like we have no idea what this is yet. So why would we be why would we be, why would we be making decisions on running ads on this Facebook if we don't know what it is yet? And for people to draw conclusions on a dossier where only Rain Man could figure out how to piece together these stories, right? Like, it, it is, it is. Um, and again, it's I'm not shitting on the guy that did it. It's not his area no. of expertise. It would be like me teaching marriage classes. I have no business doing that. Oh, you know, God. like I would try my best, and probably not. You know, a lot of divorces what happened, but you know, yeah. I would try. Yeah. Um. But it's just you know like not to get too far off track but it is one of those like like when you go through it just to get people in like an understanding the, the from what i can like um gather now that i've been sort of with this document um trying not to use the side of the document to slip my own throat mm-hmm. um what i've realized is that you you have to you have to basically uh if you know the subject of one of the stories the main subject you keyword search his name and unfortunately it doesn't just all go in a cluster <laughs> there's like no his name appears on page 48 269 a couple times on page 3600 it's just Seven, like eight ugh. yeah and you're exactly. trying to piece no. it together so this is the frustration right yeah i and know it's... some editors probably were like i don't got fucking time to feel, deal with this shit." so you know some legacy outlets were probably just like you know they didn't realize the magnitude or the potential magnitude of whatever was in there because they were just like you know let me know when you got it sorted interns or whatever right so mm-hmm. Um, But anyways, the first story that came out, um, the interesting thing about it, um, Press Progress, by the way, um, I'm going to just make a confession here. Press Progress is one of those outlets that um, I may have dismissed in the past of just being sort of an activist outlet. But even if this falls into their hopes and dreams of catching corrupt conservatives, they did a really good job writing it. They did a really good, the meticulous job making sure that they got all the facts right. Like, I have no issue with, with their journalism at all. And, I, and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm happy that I have sort of a shift change uh, or, or a sea change on, uh, on how I feel about the network because I just thought they did a, a really good job. This one was about, uh, it says, top Doug Ford advisor sent premier's office back channel message about meeting with Russian government. And, you know, and, and it, it kind of blew up. It kind of didn't. Like the Klondike papers, they weren't trending, I don't think, at this point, if I recall correctly. No. And, um, but it was a pretty big story. The, uh, the criticism of the thrust of the story was mostly centered around the fact that it was four years old. And I think that um, the staying power of stories that predate COVID, few and far in between. Um, it's just. Agreed. It gets pushed out. Yep. So uh, Press Progress put out that. And then we got a hold of the documents, I don't know, that day or the next day or something. And um, this would be one of the more controversial headlines and stories. Nathan Jacobson, Plymouth Brethren Church asked me to, quote, take out Justin Trudeau. Now, this mostly speaks to the fact that we are not a newspaper, (laughs) right? Like far from it. uh, we are not
3: right. a news source at all at yes. the Dean Blundell Network. We need if to we that didn't have
2: clear. Nathan Jacobson on our podcast, who said that on our podcast during an interview, and if we just read, a, read it in like, even if we just read it in the Klondike papers, we might report it, but it would be really difficult to try to figure out, like we'd have to call Nathan Jacobson, and like, like like we'd have to do a little bit more legwork. Yeah. But we treat our podcast now, correct me if I'm wrong, as The same way that a Barbara Walters would treat an interview. The person talks, you listen. Um, Even if you believe him, you can't co-sign things until you have documented evidence and receipts. I agree. Um, That doesn't mean that we think anyone is lying, but it doesn't mean that we're ready to like go all in on every single detail of everything. When I first saw that story, I didn't think assassination. I thought, you know, uh, invent a scam. Politically take him out. Yeah, yeah, that... yeah.
3: Invent a scandal, find a scandal, something along those lines. That's and right. we like to romanticize, I think, as a public uh, what. And don't get me wrong, we're we're guilty of of, of baiting stories with with clicky headlines. I, I'll totally fucking admit to that. I do that all the time, even though I just want you to come in and laugh at my jokes that I write in my stories because <laughs> I have fun doing it. And it's and it's and it's still. What we do is we take news, we take things that are making the news, we take things that are in the news and we talk to the people that make the stories in the news about the story, not we don't present it as news. Let's just talk to the people involved. And that's what this has been for us. People are making it into whatever they want. And, and again, like I say, some people have a romantic view of how this shit works. When you hear "doss," you hear the word dossier. The first thing you think of is a James Bond movie. You hear papers. You think spy, espionage, something fucking absolutely sinister. Or- papers are just papers, folks. And it just means there's yeah. words on papers that might have some incriminating evidence on them about some things or some, you know, shitty stories about a guy.
2: We're talking yeah, we're also about on people. the heels oh, I'm sorry go ahead please no, no I was just gonna say we're
3: also talking about people um, guys like David Wallace who that that was their job their job was to do this for years mm-hmm. and that's and, and and all the credit to him for 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 coming to 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 having like you know pardon the pun coming to Jesus moment of I'm fucking done with this which is he's told us many times and that's the reasoning behind it. Yes, does his credibility get uh, pulled into question? Absolutely. It should by anybody, not just journalists. It should be any, every, anybody that's reading a story. We watched this for four fucking years down in the States when Trump was president and he'd go on a news, like you said, like a Barbara Walters interview or something along yeah. those lines. It's exactly it. Everything that came out of his mouth was fucking spun gold bullshit. Yeah. It didn't mean that the reporter was in on it. The reporter yeah. was just trying to let you hear the story from the horse's mouth, and that's all we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So be make it of, of what you will. You want to go out and do the footwork and do the legwork. Some people on Twitter are actually doing it themselves. I'm learning things from people that are taking this and running with it as as we release, and they don't even have the papers in their possession. You know. Yeah, so... we're gonna have
2: to we're gonna have to sort of figure out that uh, th- that with Justin Ling because. Um... There was a little bit of controversy about uh, whether or not he even read the papers because he said in the private message to David Wallace like half an hour before it was published that he hadn't read them yet. But, you know, what? could be anything. Yeah, Yeah. because, like, I don't care in a way because the article itself, it wasn't that bad. I know that. um, No, I know a couple of our guests have a big problem with it. Um, But, you know, he took a shot at me. Um, and I just sought solace in the fact that he was dead wrong about the shot that he took. <laughs> you know? I, I, no one's you know ever I, called me a left winger ever. <laughs> you know I gotta,
3: I, mean? I gotta say, I love, I love him. I love his work. I like during the convoy, he did an, an incredible job, and uh, like, it, like a very, very thorough investigative journalist that that did the legwork. Like he was on the ground. Like, I was watching his. Like he had videos. Like I, he was doing the. Like you saw his process, and it was great. Yeah, I just think some of that process in this story might have been a little more. Um, uh, I don't even know the word. It's, it's just, it's just I,
2: wasn't organized that well. I the, took the, the, some umbrage
3: to 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 the the labeling of the, the you know the um, trying to make a media um, outlet uh, that which is, we clearly aren't. And I, I replied yeah. to him on Twitter. I said to him, I said, in between the. The fart jokes and the sports stories. I you know, we're not we're not over here trying like rebel <laughs> news with fucking crowdfunding <laughs> like, every geez, twenty. Left minutes. wingers are
2: gross. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know what Farts I mean. Farts <laughs> and dicks, like. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, today's podcast was great. Most of it, yeah, was about getting, it, Most of it was about pot at the end. So, yeah. Oh, so sweet. I don't. I don't hold. I'm. I don't hold any sort of like animosity towards. Justin. I. I love the guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he does a great job. And uh, I just. I just think. I think we all need to. And and he's right. We need to, de- it needs to be dug into. Like, there might be something yeah. there. There might not be something there. We just, we just gotta, everybody take a deep breath and,
2: and take your yeah. time with And it. I'm gonna bust his balls a little bit, you know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, like, you know, but. Seems like a nice hymn yeah. trail. Sure take it but okay. This, yeah. The skeletal thing in the article. Like, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of a couple of things. Like the, um, you know, he he took a sort of leap of faith with the whole comparison to QAnon. I, I was a little bit like, oh, <laughs> you know, like I get it though, and this is that
3: juxtaposition I was talking about. This is that mm. the need to, to to take the the same from one side and try and, and relate it to the other, and that's for the that's for the reader's benefit. And I think I
2: think he took that. I liberty think it's a to... polarized lens that you are looking
3: through. Uh, maybe a that, little though, bit, but I think you know? he's trying to. I think he's trying to offer the reader um, of his of his story. Uh, 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 um, a touch point to be able to try and relate it to the other side because we don't really have a qanon left wing really like there's ultra left winger like nut jobs, but don't get me wrong. Um,
2: the left only believing the outlandish things like communism. That's, and, that's
3: about uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Wearing six masks or something. I don't know. I heard a lot of things of it last And somehow day. Antifa
2: is good for us you know,
3: but you know, <laughs> I don't know. That. So yeah, I understand where he was coming from. So I, I didn't, t- I didn't take a lot of, uh, I didn't take a lot of umbrage with that, but I, I, I hope he, uh, I hope he, I, I hope he runs with it to tell you the truth. Cause I know he'll do a fuck of a better job with it than I will. Cause I'm not, that's not my job. This isn't what I do. You drink you know?
2: far too much to be held way,
3: responsible yeah. for that. Kind of... Cheers, by the way. Uh,
2: <laughs> um, I just want to, I'm going to cycle through a couple articles and then I'm going to bring David in. And this to me was like, um, was this is again this is I, I don't believe it was criminal um there was something that david told me about a skip trace and you can only be a licensed investigator in canada to utilize a skip trace which is what he was asked to do by gerald Shippier. A skip traces yeah. you know what i don't even know what the fuck it is but it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's just to define, people. it's to find somebody
3: it's 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 a pi
2: term is it like a magic April? Like how do it's, you? Uh... No,
3: it's a it's a it's a PI term and it's also a collections term. So like if you're looking for somebody, if you if you want to find somebody, there's a way to do it, and that's through different avenues of information that is public record, and um, okay. and anybody that has been a PI or, or even a skip tracer, there's actually like collection agencies um, employ skip tracers to try and find people that are, are dodging bills and shit. So yeah. it's it's a what it's a term. great
2: job that would be collection it's agent, it's, you know?
3: it's boring it's way more again <laughs> I, it's romanticized
2: being a well, PI this guy used a to, lot of work my roommate used to be one <laughs> my roommate was a was a collection agent once and he uh he would come home and he'd be like yeah we have a software now where we can call the person's neighbor <laughs> yeah like really yeah it's, it's like just, yeah so we get dorothy to go over there and hand them dorothy's phone so we can be like Pay back your money. You're gonna fucking like you're gonna throw your life away or whatever it was. Do you remember? Do you remember when they had um, the uh,
3: service Ontario kiosks in the malls and stuff, and you can go like renew your sticker and it would stick like spit a sticker out and stuff for you? I'll tell you a quick story about why those Mm. aren't in existence anymore. As a PI, I used to be able to utilize that to get information on you um, from your license plate without you knowing it, because I would take a dummy prepaid credit card and put it in. And put your license plate in, and try to renew your sticker, and it would say you need to confirm your information, and all your information would come up. Is this you? It's like no, it's not me. Cancel the transaction, (laughs) and I would have your address. I would have all your all your stuff. So that's. I have a similar
2: story, but (laughs) I have a similar story, but it was. I was sleeping with a nine eleven dispatcher who used to show me my police record from when I was a, mm-hmm. when I was in high school they, they, I, I don't do like how even. they like yeah you're, you're you know every you're, you don't have a record because I had like a theft under record because I shoplifted a father 's day gift and uh, and then it gets expunged or whatever when you're you 're eighteen but like daddy. it has yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. obviously not enough, son oh. <laughs> should have stole something better, yeah. Um, anyways, um, I'm gonna bring da- uh, I'm gonna bring David in. Oh, sorry. Before I do, um, this story is one of those stories again, where a legacy outlet probably wouldn't touch this um, unless they were able to get like three different sources to verify the voice on the phone. And mm-hmm. I get why they would do that. I trust that. Like, I- I've known David for a while. I know that he's sleuthy and stuff, and like, you know, but he's good as, at his job. I don't think, and I know actually, that he wouldn't be like, this is a recorded phone call between me. And, uh, Yur- and Michael Yurkovich, and he's just going to make it up out, out of whole cloth. You know, like it just, you know, it may be a little bit of a risk in the long run to just, mm-hmm. you know, technically, I guess I didn't confirm it with Yurkovich, but, you know, I'll, I'll roll the dice for that kind of stuff and, and feel fine about it. Yeah. Um, but, but anyways, these are the stories that I could utilize by because, and it was because the documents for the stories were in the same spot. <laughs> That's why I could like publish these stories. It happens, right? Um, yeah. Okay, so the person who started all of this, the one that, whose document, documents largely, I believe, are all of his, um, before he handed it over to Richard to, to try to make sense of it, um, David Wallace, whistleblower, he hey, David. espionage extraordinaire. I, would... I don't know, what, what would you call yourself? A fixer?
1: I'd call myself under siege right now. But if you call yourself a fixer, yeah. you have to expect to, for people to question your credibility right? I don't care about that. As long as I'm given the opportunity to throw that ball right back and question their credibility demonstrably from their own statements. I'm cool. Okay. So what, um, as the whistleblower,
2: um, what so far with the, with the stories that have come out, and I know you have a laundry list of stories that you, that are bomb that are, um, that, that you think should be out either now or soon, but based on the ones that have come out, Um, Are you happy with the way that the media is reported? Let's leave legacy out of it because obviously that's an N.A. But, uh, you know, is this what you expected to happen? Or is it like, did you expect anything? Like, how do you feel about what's happening so far?
1: Well, I didn't know that these papers would see the light of day. Um, I gave them to Richard as an act of uh, protection um, for him. Um, Once I moved here and I knew that they had boxed me in, And that if I didn't turn over Richard, then uh, I told Richard that uh, um, it would probably be a good idea for him to exploit the documents that were in the paper. Um, Okay, can we stop stop there
2: for a second? Stop there for a second, David. I want to make sure that we are meticulously, like, like, explaining to people, like, what David means when he says they. So, um... The lawyer for the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church is Gerald Chipper, who used to be Stephen Harper's lawyer, who used to be the conservative party of Canada's lawyer. That's correct, right? Absolutely. That is correct. And
1: uh, I understand you need to be to be absolutely uh, for legal reasons. But for legal reasons aside, I'll say and I have no reservations. Gerald Chipper is a criminal. You have emails in those files where he is writing my affidavits for me. I'd never laid eyes on Richard Marsh, nor did I know anything about his story when I was hired to have him. I was told to show up at a Miller Thompson affiliate and sign an affidavit that Mr. Chaport wrote for me. You have the chain. It's right there. It's demonstrably there. Up to you.
2: Okay, but the chain that you're talking about, um, is is it criminal to hire you to find someone?
1: Uh, I'm not a private detective. Uh, I guess if you want me, a lot of people have hired me to find people. Uh, I, I don't know about the legalities of me tracking somebody down, but I know that having a affidavit written for me and revision after revision sent back to me by Gerald Chippur is highly questionable. And I know it's illegal because I never wrote the affidavit.
2: Okay. Um, the 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 church wanted Gerald's help. He hired you. You found Richard Marsh. You got Nathan in at that point, right? To sort of see if he, ha- he had connections in law enforcement that could verify warrants. Is that basically what happened? Uh,
1: well, at the beginning, we didn't question the veracity of the warrants. We we believed that they were real. Uh, Nathan, mm-hmm. when I called him in, was simply to assist in law enforcement so we could bring Mr. Marsh in peacefully without any violence and legally. That was my intention in bringing Nathan in. Um it was only after uh, Nathan started asking a few more questions that we uh, discovered independently there were no no warrants at all.
2: And I'm just going to bring Nathan in right now. Nathan Jacobson, welcome to Blackwell. How are you, buddy?
0: Hi, guys. I'm good. How, How are you Nathan? doing?
2: Doing hey. good. Um, so David was at the part of the story, and we are doing this as a recap. So I, you know, if you've heard this story before, we're really just trying to punch it home so that the stuff that's already been out can be explained properly. So David was hired to find Marsh. He contacts you. And what did David say to you, and what was your first sort of move uh, in trying to assist him?
0: Well, David had been telling me uh, prior to this about his being retained by Shapur and Holman uh, and, and the brethren uh, to find this uh, fellow Richard Marsh. And, and we were talking, he was telling me when he was staking the guy out trying to find him, about it and I, I had heard from David that he was told that this fellow had ripped the church off of millions of dollars. The church had been seeking him for a couple of years. Um, it was then that I talked to uh, Shapur because D- David was, was able to find Marsh but the question is then how do you bring him in? How do you turn him over to, uh, to the law uh, uh, authorities? Uh, being that he has these supposed uh, uh, criminal uh, charges against him. And I was going to arrange to have uh, Marsh come into my office to talk about some technology that a friend of his had um, under the guise of business and simply have uh, friends of mine from the Toronto Police Services there to serve him. Now, I was very firm with uh, Shapur, that in order to do that um, I needed to see the uh, the warrants for uh, for Marsha's arrest and uh, you know I can't ask the police to come over to my place to arrest somebody um, it, it, it doesn't work like that but if I go to them and say look there's this fellow and there's multiple arrest warrants and uh, could you come in and grab him um, in the end well, well, it started as Shapur was dancing me about it, that there are the warrants, et cetera. And then when I was firm with him that I need to see the warrants and I need to be able to turn the warrants over to the police in advance, it was only then that Shapur admitted to me that there are no warrants for Marsh, but that they were hoping to have a warrant for his arrest within the next year to 18 months in Saskatchewan. And... But but he was firm that, could you please still grab him for us and turn him over to uh, people that we'll send? now.
2: What would that warrant it, be for, that one that they surmised? Could well, they, they said the it
0: was for criminal proceedings, that uh, Marsh had uh, stolen millions of dollars from the Brethren, who I had never heard of before. Um, and, and in fact, there, there there were no arrest warrants. And, and uh, I, I came down hard on Shapur about it and met Marsh and found him to be the soft, mild-mannered uh, person that uh, you folks have, have seen him to be. And I realized that this was a setup. But when they want uh, this fellow to be turned over to whoever they were going to send, uh, it did not, bade, it, it baited ominously to me. Um it re- really had a smell. And uh right. I I I met with uh with Marsh and his wife and drove with them up to Berry to meet uh to meet Dave Wallace. And uh we found him, he, he was a victim and these people were hunting uh him and the best guess that I could have. Is that their desire was something very nefarious? Um, you, you don't kidnap a person for nothing, and it, it was then that my my moral uh, point stepped in, and I said, "I'm not going to allow it to happen," and I sent a a, a, a photo to uh, to Shapur and and Holman of uh, Marsh and I together, arm in arm. And I said, he's now under my protection. And in fact, I'll be moving him to Israel where you can't get him. Okay. And Can, they went I, ballistic. I'm
2: just, I just want to ask two things, and then I'm going to bring in someone else as well. Justin Ling is in our green room right now. Um, did, uh, did you ever have any grudge? Against, like, was there any bad blood between you and any of these people like Shapur or Holman or anything? Because you guys sort of traveled in the same circles in the sense that you had mutual friends and stuff. But
0: um, look. Shapur I don't know. I, I've talked to him. I, I don't know whether I've met him or not. I meet a lot of people. I certainly have or had no grudge against him. Um, Hallman, I had met on friendly basis um, through, through Jason Kenny, and Jason trusted him a lot and my relationship with Holman was friendly. Uh, wh- where it went off the rails with with hallman was when uh he and his gang uh, screwed uh, david by bringing him out to alberta under false pretenses and left him hanging
2: okay I'm, I'm gonna stop the you play. there for I'm, I'm gonna stop you there for a second because um i watched like the last season of that scientology series on, on netflix to prepare for this podcast i really did because I see so many parallels, right, with the Scientology weirdness when someone tries to leave and what happened to Richard.
0: Yeah, the and and Martin looks like Tom Cruise.
2: Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you, but if you look at what they did and you don't have any preconception or narrative, um, the whole hand them over to the church thing, Scientology does that all the time. Like w- when someone takes off from a Scientology building or whatever, and they're not supposed to or whatever, they'll send like six guys out to like the bus stop in the airport and this and that, and they convince them to get back yeah, in the, the car and go back too. to. This or they kidnap them. Or they yeah. kidnap them.
1: That is right. documented. And I'm right. sorry, I don't care if it's a church thing or not. If your special friend who lives on a cloud says it's okay for you to kidnap somebody i'm not okay with that i'm sorry but that they didn't use
2: you. the word kidnap right they said grab or something they said like grab hand them him over. Them over. what am
1: i supposed to do yeah. grab them in a brace take them for a dance i'm not arguing with you, you i'm not arguing with you i'm
2: just i'm just trying to like, like uh, be accurate for the people listening that there was no one said kidnap and the reason why i'm i'm punctuating that is important um, is because journalists like my next guest, Justin Ling, who right now uh, at gunpoint is becoming a member of the Liberal Party so he can come on my podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's this now? <laughs> this <laughs> is all news to me. Did, I did the just, handlers get I you back playful, to stage, Justin? I, I hope am playfully referring to the part in your piece where you made this erroneous assumption that Blackball and Dean Blundell show were trying to model right-wing you know, news but to the left you know what I, I have to thank you no one's ever called me something as nice as left-wing before ever in my life that is true says, nice i think i said small liberal, but uh, it's possible yeah maybe i'm a radical no. centrist because i hate everybody right. but um in any event the reason why i wanted to have you on is because you published um <clears throat> a story sort of about the convoy and what's happening it's a playful title um all of us think of the ice cream bar whenever we hear these papers Instead of uh, asking you questions about you, run down what you wrote in the piece and then we'll talk about all the things that you got wrong.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't wait.
2: (laughs) Um,
4: Yeah, so so, so listen. I mean, evidently, thanks to some of the the podcasts and the articles that, that yourself and Dean Blundell have been doing, there has been a, a huge outpouring of interest in these in these Klondike papers, and I'm sure many of the people who are listening right now or watching later have been the ones who have been tweeting at me, DMing me, emailing me, calling me, saying, oh my God, you have to do something on the Klondike papers. And, you know, at that point, at a certain point, you hear from enough people about a thing, you you get curious about that thing and you start looking into it. And in, in kind of poking around, you know, I'm familiar with some of the characters at play here, I'm familiar with some of the... Um, the, the the sagas you know contained in these papers i started you know piecing together as much as i could about uh, you know what's in them you know what's being alleged what's true what's not true um Speaking to some people who are who already have had the documents for quite some time and very familiar with them, and then eventually getting a copy of the papers myself, and, and tried as much as I could to put together a, a piece separating the wheat from the chaff, and 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 pointing out what is very true about the folks, the, the stuff that you folks have said on air and uh, in these blogs, and what's being you know, said on Twitter, and then also making clear what claims that have been made here and on Twitter and elsewhere are are, are not supported by fact, because you know that's that's kind of my job. And can you um, give me a
2: couple examples
4: of those yes, so I that can. people
2: can, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so so I mean, you know,
4: I think it's very clear, I mean, I, you know, the origins of all this, as I'm sure we all are relatively familiar now, um, you know, is David Wallace, who's listening right now, he's right here, um, you know, coming forward with details about, you know, the, the, the frankly, if, if all is true, and I think it is, the creepy plot by this church to silence and target its critics, um, mm-hmm. and you know the the revelations of of kind of how this this shady practice of you know law firm con- you know, of, of lawyer consultants reaching out to PIs to go and tail folks for you know nefarious ends. I mean I, that that's always an interesting, a terrifying little uh, you know mm. peek into the unknown. And I think all of that stuff, as I write in the piece, is is really well supported by the by the emails. Um, that that david provided as, as well as this church's practices in new zealand australia and elsewhere so lots so true here you know i'm not saying everything is bullshit but you know and david you know the claims you've made on here about the, this plot to kill the prime minister about um you know the secret russian money underneath the 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 people's con the people's freedom convoy whatever you want to call it um you know the the secret um you know puppet masters behind this convoy there's just you may well have something that i don't know about but Nothing I have seen have backed up these assertions and having done, a, unfortunately, a ton of reporting on the convoy and the people who actually organized it can tell you it's not not true, at least as far as I can tell. Um, so I think it's important we call this stuff out now. And, I you know, I, I I don't impugn a ton of malice behind any of this stuff, but I think it's important We actually deal with facts here because we are living in a time of paranoia and people are susceptible to this sort of thing. Not because they're stupid or malicious, but because people are frustrated and a little kooky like I am after two years of, of, of pandemic. And when they hear somebody say something authoritative like these and say that they have the receipts to prove it, they tend to believe it. And that can lead us into some very dangerous places.
2: Uh, before david um, um interjects here because i know he probably wants to respond to some of that <laughs> sure does. um is it fair to say though that because i don't know if you heard the beginning justin but like i was talking okay. about how if you if you get this document the first thing that you will notice especially if you're a journalist is the fact that it's like someone played 52 pickup with a document and then stuff sure. together like like the you could take one really specific story and find pieces of it all throughout this sure. six gig. I thought it was like
3: Kevin's chili from The Office when he walks in and spills I think it. I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but so there's, I don't know who employs Rain Man at a legacy media outlet, but there, I mean, I think there's stories in there that are fully incomplete. Like I, I would guesstimate. Sure. And the, the pieces of these stories are so random and, and spread out that we don't know that we have these stories yet. Well, that's like why that. it's
4: really important that you take the time and do it properly. I mean, I, I think sometimes people mistake um, cautious, slow reporting with with silence. Right? You know, as we know, these papers are sitting with some reporters. Um, at various outlets and and not at outlets across the country, and some of the stories have come out already in Press Progress and elsewhere. Um, some of them have not come out yet. Some of them may never come out. Some of them may come out in a month. Some t- some of them may come out in a year. Because you're right, there there is stuff in here that, you know, uh, that is that is curious and uh, to be totally blunt, some of it seems to be supported by facts. Some of it seems to be guesswork or innuendo or or what have you or or speculation or two people sitting around chatting i mean david some of these are your d twitter dms and text messages i know that if i leaked all of my twitter dms and text messages over the course of a couple of years there'd be a ton of stuff in there that's total bullshit. um because i have, you know, have to move <laughs> yeah just because i just because you say something in a private conversation or an email doesn't mean it's proof of, of much of anything really um so listen, yeah, there's stuff in here. Like I, I mean, you know, I think whenever somebody who has uh, taken some under the table contracts with a political party or political operatives decides to leak their inbox, yeah, there's probably going to be some stories in there. But that doesn't mean you should rush out the door and make some big prognostications about what it means. I mean, frankly, James, I mean, some of the stuff that's been said on this podcast, some of the stuff that's been written on on Dean's website, is it, it, not it, it is big claims not supported by fact, and I don't think it's it's good enough to say well. There's some stuff in there we'll have to suss out later. Let's make the claims for now. That's the opposite of what you should be doing. You have it exactly backwards. So there's a ton of journalists doing their job right now with these documents. And uh, it, it sometimes you have to let them you know, work and, and have a little more time to do that work.
2: Hi,
3: I'm Steve Yurko.
2: And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. Would you say that the, the that there is a cloudiness in how me- the media landscape is now when we decide that we want to interview live guests like David and Nathan on a podcast because um if they say things that they don't necessarily at that moment have like the do- the document that supports the claim at that moment do you find that irresponsible or is that just an interview because I I was thinking about um you know like uh Mahmoud Akdam Ak- a dinner, dinner, dinner whatever the fuck's name. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
1: kind of. yeah. Um and,
2: and how he would like make, uh recite conspiracy theories uh during an interview with like um you know sixty minutes or something like that. And how even if they challenge them, they're not responsible for what another person says. You don't have to co sign it, but you don't have to just say you're a liar either. Wow. And I think that we have done interesting work in that we are not like Walter Concrite trying to like, you know, trying to try, trying to be as newsy as we can and as like you know, buy the book as we can. I just want a compelling interview and if they say a whole bunch of stuff that like needs receipts then you know we try to get the receipts and if we can't get them you know maybe we report yeah. like maybe we report on that i don't know but you know there's two f- things colliding here one is journalism and the other is the podcast world and um but
4: <laughs> i I think, I think it matters what the show is i mean is this a news show is does this show do journalism
3: you know,
2: I have I rappers think, and comedians and politicians
3: sure. and news No, the Dean like Blundell this. Network yeah. has never, never stated that it's a news It's certainly
4: I – think, I think there are people – I know there are people because I've heard from these people who will say Dean Blundell is a serious journalist. This is a serious – because you have the trappings of it. These are news interviews. You, I mean if you want to have a big disclaimer off the top saying take none of this seriously, maybe Which that's something done. you should consider. Okay, we, Maybe we that's did
3: on, we did on every podcast. Just so you know, we because the it, assumption it was, it, well, the, the word cosine is actually um, burned into my into my my lexicon now because of
2: it. We
3: but did not.
1: Part of the, part of the problem this say, I'll throw it back to you in a this
2: second, stuff. Justin, but but yeah. it's important to say that if you're watching a show and someone talks about their testicles for seven minutes, probably not news, you know. <laughs>
4: well, but you're asking people to do a level of you're asking people to 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 interpret the show the way you want them to and people rarely do right i mean there's a you know alex jones likes to use the, de- the defense that my show is just entertainment you can't take it as news right i'm not saying this is the alex jones show that's not what i'm he getting at my that, point he is he did
3: that to be fair he did that to uh avoid lawsuits he didn't do that sure. off the top of his shows he did that after he was caught with his pants
4: down so
2: Let's sure clear but, but
3: you
4: there
2: you know <laughs> fair
4: enough but i mean you guys can't divorce yourselves from the claims that are made in your show or the claims you're making in some cases i mean dean i mean I, in fairness in fairness james i don't think the claims are made directly on your website but on dean's website there's there's a whole lot of claims stated as fact that there was shady you know that that, that the conservative party or, or or gerald trapper was was behind the convoy and that there was definitely a plot to kill the prime minister and there was all this other stuff like it's irresponsible to make those claims, and if if you want to say I don't want to have the responsibility, fine. What I'm here to tell you is that it has a real negative impact. It has a real impact with how people trust the news, interpret the news, how they see the world. It's how we get conspiracy theories. It's like you know, you leave peanut butter out, you get ants. You say crazy things on a podcast, you get conspiracy theories, and it, that's where we're at. And there's so those, how do you and, define and,
2: crazy? How do you define crazy? Is it unproven? Because we just got people's. out of a Me Too. We, hold on a second. We just got yeah. out of a Me Too era where 90% of the stories that came out while powerful were unproven. So, like, how do you differentiate? Like, what is it evidence-based? Is it um, issues-based? So, when it's this issue, you don't need evidence. When it's this issue, you do. Like, how does that work?
4: There's a difference between unproven and baseless, right? Like David, to be blunt with you, like you know, I I don't discount the idea that you believe after some of the conversations you had that there was there was an effort to to whack the prime minister. And I'm not even saying that that you're kookier on unh- on not you know delineating any sort of motive or defect there. What I'm saying is you may well believe it, but if if you're going to go on a podcast, you know, James, if you're going to have him on your show, if he says something like that, rather than running with it and then repeating it at you know at nauseum, and then you know, headlining a, a blog article about it and then, you know, constantly following up on it, maybe it's incumbent on you to go, well, do you have any proof of it? Is, is there any evidence? Because, you know, there's been the repeated insistence that these papers prove a plot to kill the prime minister, prove where the
2: real money for the no, convoy I don't think, came from. That's not true. I don't true. remember anybody. True, true. I don't think anyone actually wrote that at the Dean Blondell Network. No, Dean was like, Dean was like, you know, Probably more cautious than all of us in a set like he likes to be zippy with his words and be like, you know, whatever casual writer and all that kind of stuff. But like he never would put the word definitely there was a hit on the prime minister. on I, I think you're mistaken when it when, didn't. nor did I ever like
0: use that. those words.
2: We talked about it on that same podcast, Justin, where it was like where I said, is it possible that they just meant like, you know, Invent a scandal and 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 see if it sticks. Like th- you know, because I was I'm not ready to give the assassination plot a, a stamp of approval, and never I never mean, was. and
4: What Dean wrote is that according to fixer and whistleblower David Wallace uh, and and businessman Nathan Jacobson, are, there there was a cult of killer religious business folks looking to kill democracy and the prime minister of Canada.
1: Yeah, according, according
2: to David to Wallace and Nathan Jacobson, the
3: guest that was on the uh, although station, I never he
1: used, he used the term kill. David Wallace, I said take out the prime minister. That's the exact words I use. You see, we need to be careful with words. We you do need to be careful, 100%. Words, you agree. use certain words in your story that Nathan Jacobson was a convicted money launderer. You did not print that. I didn't say convicted. You did not print that he had been. I could read you, Vertebaum, your, your article. You did not. You were neglected to mention that he was exonerated in a United States court. And the paperwork exists and it was readily available in the conflict papers. Did you take the chance to read it?
4: I said he pled no. guilty and that later the charges were dropped and they tried to have the guilty people. They were dropped, is- the man was exonerated. It- read
1: the legal document, it's right there, it's available on Google, it's, it's easy to search. If you're an investigative journalist, investigate the document.
2: Nathan, what is the difference between charges just like, uh, you know, being withdrawn and, be, and, and being a person who's exonerated? Is there a difference? I, I honestly just don't know the answer to that question.
0: Well, a, a pers- being exonerated is all the charges are removed against you. Uh, in, in my case, what happened is under bad advice and being terrified of the U.S. legal system, I uh, pled guilty to one charge of over 120 charges against me to start. And due to pressure from my wife, who knew that I was innocent, and myself, I did a thing, uh, a motion to withdraw the guilty plea, to which there's about a 99.9% chance of not winning. And I, I I won that, and the U.S. withdrew all the charges against me, which means I was exonerated.
4: I was not guilty of anything. Um,
0: Okay. Listen, I think you did have to pay
4: several million dollars in administrative forfeiture.
0: Well, that was the U.S. situation, and and if you bring that up, let let's define it. the The U.S. has a situation where they're not going to release all the charges unless you sign that you're not going to sue the United States because they don't they don't want to be hit for the liability of falsely prosecuting me. So at a meeting with the FBI and the Department of Justice, I said, well, now I'm going to get my four and a half million back. And there was a, a kind of smug look on their face. And they said, uh, well, uh, no, because uh, you're signing to the you're not going to sue the United States. I said, that's for false prosecution. They said, well, you turned the money over to the Department of Justice. Department of Justice turned it over to the IRS and IRS turned it over to the Treasury and the DOJ does not have the ability to instruct the Treasury to, uh, to refund it. So it's down as an administrative forfeiture. And at that point, having spent uh, several months in a maximum security uh, U.S. facility and 14 months with an electronic monitor on my ankle, uh, my response to my lawyers is, you know, fuck the Americans. I'm going to make the money outside. Uh, I want to go home. I want to go back to my life. I want to go back to my family. Nathan, and, when and you, went should, to prison, and, and when you when should do some research on the whole issue uh, of forfeitures in the United States because it really is a scam that they have. And um, the, the what's the British fellow that has the show uh, this week uh, – Oh, it, John it, last
4: week tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he did a show on forfeitures that's really worth your while watching because you see the ridiculousness of it. Oh, and in my I've case, criminal was,
4: forfeiture for years. I'm
0: wildly yeah, it, familiar with it. It, it, it. In in my case, it, 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 except for mine was not criminal forfeiture. Yeah,
4: it it was administrative. A, it,
0: it was a thing administrative forfeiture, which is a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Words okay, matter. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. So okay, okay. Agree I'm going to
2: interject for a second. And the reason why I'm going to interject for a second is because one, I don't think Justin, you seem like you're like fair enough. Like I think maybe you, I, I heard you start to say that it's sort of the same thing. Whatever it's you semantics. With Semantics. We're, we're arguing like.
1: semantics here. So listen, I think you guys uh, could probably. Enough, con- we could, we could, sorry, James. But I mean, No, please go ahead. It's okay. An, another inaccuracy: claiming that I was paid ten thousand dollars. I was never paid ten thousand dollars. There was a check that was given to Diana Davison. That yeah, was but no when one knows what you're talking Canada about right Atlanta. now, David. No, 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 no listen, I want to, I want to circle
2: David. back away from all of these personal issues that we have with each it's other. It's not personal; and talk about it's and
1: it's important. I know, Lenders but it has... is important in facts. If I'm going to be accused of misrepresenting facts, then let's get the facts straight.
2: But I can't change the title of the podcast from Klondike Papers to Personal Beeps about ten Okay, grand. true enough,
1: true <laughs> enough. But it was it was untrue. And should okay. I just throw something out? I spoke to Jesse Brown this morning. Jesse Brown said some kind things about you, but some other things too. Should I just throw that out in an article or state it on a live podcast? I don't think that's correct. I'd like, be
2: fine with you standing out on a podcast. To be honest with yo, you, I'm super <laughs> curious.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. well he said he, he described you as you this part David. likes to, to, to grease his story if something comes out you'll take the opposite position simply to be relevant now i don't I'm know contrary. if that's true i respect that oh, let, Chris, let guys, I mean, what, that what years, i would suggest guys. what i would suggest is let's get back
0: to the story yeah and, yeah and and let's let people discuss it and yeah. you know we all have Wait. our credibility whatever this is something that I did not want to be part of, th- this whole thing to, to start with, and, and it, it fell into uh, my lap because I felt bad for Richard Marsh. I, I found him a victim. Okay, okay but I, I, I want like to
2: pause image. that part of the story for a second, and I want to go to something that Justin said about the claims that, the, that these nefarious uh, figures were behind the convoy. David seems to think they were. Justin hasn't seen the evidence to prove that claim. I get that. So, um, David, can you explain why you say that the shadowy figures that were dealing with this stuff were also responsible for the convoy? And can you tell us the receipts that you have that prove that?
1: Well, I sent you some receipts today, um, uh, I guess maybe an hour before uh, uh, broadcast time that Richard dug out from the trove of documents. There have been many conversations and meetings and emails that went back and forth between myself and Mr. Jonathan Dennis or myself and Mr. Chapur talking about working on files. We're talking about Mr. Chapur's affiliation with the IDU and the ADF. And sums of money that have been moved by those organizations. Now, you can say, I don't have uh, a smoking gun. I don't have them confessing on tape. Do you really think that criminals like this take the time to confess every sin? I can tell you exactly what these people's intentions were, where their loyalties lie, and where they were moving their money. And those are, those are facts from my experiences with these individuals. Now, is the I problem David, that some of it. your
2: hold on. Is it is the problem is that some of your evidence was personally witnessed by you. And so you in your mind knows that it exists, but you can't beyond that, you can't really produce um, you know, the the a uh, documentation from that meeting. Is that is that a fair you assessment? have
1: documentation, it just needs it to together. I think right off the top, I know just, you, Yeah, Unbeknownst to when when you, when you everybody. Say, it, I you, don't when when say, say it, it,
4: just, just genuinely, when you say the IDU, the International Democrat Union, Democratic Democrat Union, um, which I think Stephen Harper is a chair of now, the ADF, the Anti-Defamation, what's the ADF? What are you talking about, the ADF? ADL, Anti-Defamation, Anti-Defamation League?
1: The uh, um, What's the actual term? The, uh, uh, oh, defense, uh, how do you pronounce that? Sorry, just, guys, let me pull it back up on my okay. note. In but terms of the
0: they, IDU, I, I attended multiple meetings of the IDU, and
1: uh, alliance defending freedom. Sorry, alliance the
0: defending, alliance defending freedom, freedom. Is that what you said,
1: David?
4: David?
1: Yes, the alliance defending freedom. That sounds like an awful. Which should, but Mr. Nathan,
2: you've, you've been
4: should, to the, the IDU. Freedom. Nathan, is, is the IDU is the IDU and quite the same nefarious body that's being suggested? No. The, the, the,
0: look, I, I've attended a lot of meetings of of the IDU. Um, Excuse my dogs they're, they're fighting over a toy. teva quiet um, the IDU is uh, a, a great organization that is the union of center right parties around the world and meetings I've attended you know at, at one point it was uh, a, a Norwegian chair um, who was a, a bright guy it was uh, um, john uh the the australian prime minister that it founded howard. i think it's a great organization john howard
4: yeah okay just really briefly i've been joking with some conservative friends uh, of mine uh who some of whom support pierre Polyev. i've been saying you know uh, the stuff you guys are doing around the world economic forum right the world economic forum you're, is is a dumb little think tank in davos that attracts a bunch of rich people to a conference every year the, the sort of conspiracy theorizing you're building around it, the myth-making you're building around it, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass, and it's also, at some point, going to come from the other side. At some point, I said to them, someone is going to start accusing the International Democratic Union of being a nefarious puppet master for everything bad that's going to happen in Canada, and they're going to claim that it, it, it financed the convoy. I don't mean to say, I told you so, but here we are. This is how this stuff happens. The reality I, is I, the I, I, I the know a lot
0: are- of Russians... <laughs> That that are, are are now sanctioned people that, that attended Davos because Davos was one, one of the things to go to every year to to prove your your self importance.
4: Sure, That's, I I hundred percent by that. I mean it's a, it's a dumb little form, but I'm sure there's some money laundering that goes on. But the the point I'm making here is. Um, you know, we need to face facts about this stuff. The convoy happened not because some puppet master pulled the strings, but because a whole bunch of people fell into anti-vaccine conspiracy theories, donated a ton of money, and then attracted political support for it. I mean, there there is no nefarious plot here. It's That's just not true. Stuff it was steered. Shitty. It
1: was clearly steered.
4: By I mean, who, your, opinion is your opinion.
1: It was I think. And how, I think and okay, how you know, hold on, hold how on. How you I, know for a fact David, that wasn't David? You were in a room I think with what's Mr.
2: Here. Mr. David, I think what's happening here is that Justin and and I would do this if I was Justin as well, coming onto this podcast, is approaching this claim as a journalist. Um, well, he could have done the I'd same known thing. You. When he
1: wrote the article.
2: Okay, I've I've known you for four years, David. You, you might have a little bit of a reputation for embellishment. I don't know, a little bit. Right. So like you're kind of a promoter of your own materials. If you were to say this is exactly how they funded and controlled or whatever, the convoy, how would you answer that question with like data points instead of sort of overarching ideas?
1: I would answer it very simply. You would uh, look at the Plymouth Brethren and uh, what was that little organization that in hours they whipped up the donations for to uh, finance? uh, uh, churches and sects like the Plymouth Brethren and people uh, in, uh, excuse me, what is it? Grand Prairie, uh, the Mennonite community. These are all communities that are tied in. I have had many conversations with Alan Holman uh, and Gerald Chapour about an individual named Spike Martins, who uh, Nathan has met. These are people who move the money. It's a claim that no, a, like, it is hard
2: not to be agnostic about what you just said, because it's just like, oh, how do you know? Where did they? I don't know. They I use, heard it from the horse's
1: way- mouth. And if you looked at the communications between Mr. Hallman and myself or Mr. Dennis and myself, you will see allusions to these conversations. You will see these points being mentioned. There, there are recorded conversations from people who are germane to this story in those documents, I have gave the documents to Richard, as you said, he has organized them. I, I personally don't have the papers. I have no access to the papers. I don't know what order they're in or where things are in the papers. And I'm lucky
4: I've never seen them,
1: nor do I so, want to
4: see them. So, so, David, you asked me, how do I know where the financing mm-hmm. came from? Well, it's because I, I, I've looked through the entire leaked uh, donation information, including where people are from, what their real names are, the real names they, they had to supply for Public the credit card information. Sure. I've also seen the the internal email inboxes of the convoy organizers that was also leaked, and I've gone through every single email that uh, that went to and from several of the main uh, convoy organizer accounts. Um, no mention of the things you're talking about. I, I, I you know, I've seen, you know, I've, I've spoken to um, individuals in the federal government who were responsible for the the count freezing and seizures. I've talked to people who have organized this thing. I, I, I've talked to other, you know, journalists who have spoken to way more people in the convoy than I have, and no evidence for the things and and this is the problem i keep having if, if you want to claim this stuff if you want to claim that the things you're claiming that i you know that, that gerald Spur or whoever um you know has the, these connections or what have you if fine, but what, what what's really bugging me, and what I think is, is really at the core of why I kind of came at this issue, is that you're using these these documents, which actually do prove a bunch of nefarious shit from this church, or it seems to prove, allegedly prove. I kind of have to put that caveat for journalistic purposes, but it, it, you know these these documents do prove a bunch of nefarious shit. But you're you're trading in the legitimacy of that stuff to make a whole bunch of other claims. If you want to make those other claims, make them. But I don't think you have the documents
1: or the proof to back it up. Well then, take a look through the papers, and then we shall see. I it, but uh, I, yeah. you, you've looked. So you've do read, you have anything from
2: memory? Do you have anything from memory that that is like here's a document that clearly shows that the convoy was propped up by this nefarious individual? Do you have anything
1: like that, like from I, that I, you I think I, of off I, the top of your head? Could have swore I just sent you an email from. Uh, you sent Chivori me twenty emails
2: twenty minutes before the show, and I was like, I ain't looking at these because I have shit. <laughs> it was too
1: much. I, I but got yeah, them, them. them. twenty five minutes before the show when Richard dug them out of somewhere.
2: I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying. I will look at them.
1: Um, no, but absolutely. I, absolutely. Yeah. But the claims I make are not claims. You also claim in your article that meetings never took. The money that came into Ontario to Mr. Ford is currently, it, anybody can see it because of all the construction going on. You watch the constructions. You walk at the gambling interests that are coming into the province. These all have Russian background, Russian money, Russian directors. This is public record. These are public records. Corey Welton stating He never met me yet. You have him asking about geofencing capabilities. What do we got? What are we getting? We had many conversations in person. I'd like to know
2: if it just having a Russian as a CEO is all it takes to be like,
1: no, no, it doesn't. It's those Russians okay. research. You, you need to
0: look at, at the Russians background
1: and who they're connected to in Russia.
0: And I'm speaking as a person that has been dealing in Russia for 31, 32 years now.
2: I could Again, tell it, because it, it, the light that you chose for this podcast is not dissimilar to an interrogation light.
0: We have ways of making
2: you talk.
4: But, I mean,
0: here's the Generally, other thing. Generally,
4: I mean, I'm
2: upset
4: know,
1: about... Actually, well, David, but quite legitimately, you know, I'm looking through your... Okay, go on. Go on. It wasn't your story. Was, I've, I've read your work. I'm, I'm impressed by your work. I just feel that this article has no resemblance to your usual work. It, it, it's, there are parts that I think you will have to admit that are sloppy, that are not factually 100% correct. It just doesn't. It seems rushed. It seems rushed. And it and quite honestly, there's enough bad things that could be said about me. I, I would like clarifications on certain points that are not true, that are clearly not true in the article. And I think that's there, fair. there. There's
0: something that I, I'd like to comment on is at, at no time uh, did uh, David and I talk about an actual hit on uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. And sadly, or, or not, I've sat in meetings where hits on people were discussed at length. And I, I know what uh, 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 an order to uh, exterminate a person is. Um, what was talked about was getting rid of, uh, of Trudeau. And I said, what are you talking about? And they came out, uh, whatever it takes and I never took the conversation any further than that. Now, whatever but, it takes could could mean uh, digging up a lot of dirt about uh, Trudeau. Uh, the one fellow had bragged that he was the one that broke the story, organized the story about uh, the supposed uh, uh, sexual relationship. Because-
2: Chronicle article that said that Justin Trudeau had slept with a student and did an NDA. Job. Yeah,
0: but th- th- this this person from the Brethren. Uh, the one time that I talked to him, he claimed responsibility for breaking it. I think he 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 was doing it uh, to try to impress me. And then out of the blue, this, this fellow Diplock that runs a Brethren in the United States said, you know, uh, we want you to come out with a number of what it'll take to get rid of Prime Minister Trudeau. And I said, what are you talking about getting rid? And he said, whatever it takes, to which I responded, that while I'm not a liberal, uh, I know uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. And while we may not agree on a lot of things politically, uh, he is a duly elected Prime Minister of Canada. And in Canada, we have a tradition of removing people from power through the power of the uh, ballot box. And I ended the conversation. So it never went any further. Where it would have gone, I don't know. but But that's where it was, was get rid of Prime Minister Trudeau.
2: Justin, are you seeing something that's bothering you because we're not all operating like journalists because we don't necessarily necessarily consider ourselves journalists?
4: Also, no, listen, I, I don't expect everyone in the world to, to, to behave and act like a journalist. I, I get it. Like, people host podcasts and they don't want to be held to a journalistic standard. nor should you? Fair enough. My concern is that you just... My concern is not that you had the conversation. My concern is you should recognize the sort of impact this sort of thing has. You, we need to be careful with how we're talking. it. I realize, David, Nathan, you may not have had, like how I phrased everything in the article, and you're more than welcome to send me uh, an email with everything you feel. I, I never read impact. the
0: article, and Justin, we can <laughs> we, we can meet
4: over beer and talk about things.
1: And I apologize. Sure, you know, and I'm I, angry. I, I don't mean it personally. I'm just I was upset. But I'll let Justin. say I'm no one likes
4: have no one likes having an article written about them. M- me, you know everything I've ever read, read about myself, I've hated. Like it, it is, I, it, it's a normal reaction. I, 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 I,
0: I, I, I used try- to
4: serve I used to serve
0: with a fellow that was a, a very famous special operator. And he used to say to me that people like us are supposed to sit in the corner wearing a sombrero and have everybody try to guess who we are. So <laughs> I, I don't like, I don't like being on podcasts. I, I like, I would prefer playing playing in, in the backyard with my dogs right now, but uh, I've become involved in this story. And and Justin, what's important for me, uh, and James has learned, uh, to me words matter and the truth matters. And I just the, – the story, I, I don't know about the convoy and things like that. I know the things that I was involved in, and I know my experience with, 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 with David since uh, the – approached me about the patrick brown i just want the truth to come out sure. and and okay. if there's bad things that then it should be dealt with and it should be dealt with uh, in, in a, a, a a proper uh environment be it the courts be it uh through the police whatever i want this is this is my country i love canada and i want canada to go back to being the country that i grew up in and and if there's religious organizations. Playing games and and sadly I, I've I've seen things that are more reminiscent of the second and third world countries that I've dealt with over the years.
2: Well, Justin, you did really good reporting on the convoy. Um, you Thank know, you him. were you you you, you well, you were you were meticulous. I thought um, it was fantastic. One aspect that makes people believe stuff uh, without necessarily having the tangible evidence, it gets into the ether. Things like the missing eight million dollars, and I and I realized just now as I'm listening to you guys talk that. I don't remember ever looking that up i just remember it just became this accepted thing is it still missing No. was it ever missing like can you talk about that a bit because and sort of clear it up for me
4: i mean listen i i will tell you that i think there's probably some money that somewhere along the way is unaccounted for and there were some cash donations that you'll you'll never oh, uh course. trace you know i i witnessed people handing wads of cash to truckers um but i know for a fact that you know when the emergencies act came in as well as some of the provincial legislation came in Um, The speed at which they froze many of those accounts and the ability of Fintrack, the financial financial intelligence agency, um, to track those transactions is very good. You can't just make 8 million disappear from a bank account like that. They did successfully identify, um, if not every single uh, bank account, the vast majority of them. And from all of the language I've heard from, from government officials, every dollar is more or less, every dollar they know of is more or less accounted for now. Again, is it possible somebody has squirreled away? Is it possible that one of the organizers was very clever and managed to tuck, you know, 10 grand under his pillow? Yeah, absolutely. But again, we've not seen the evidence for that. And if anything, I actually tend to think the government may have gone overboard in terms of identifying and seizing and freezing accounts to the point where, I I know quite legitimately people did have trouble paying their mortgages for certain lengths of time. And I know that individual truckers who joined this thing did have their livelihoods seized and are in financial ruin right now. So the idea that people have made off like bandits like this from this is not true. And 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 part of the reason, again, why you know why I wrote this thing, why I'm on this show, is because I do think it's really important to address this stuff at the root. I realize nobody likes getting compared to QAnon. But here's the thing, QAnon at its very inception was not an evil or horrible or miserable or shitty thing. It was a bunch of people, especially people who've experienced trauma in their lives, especially people who, you know, in some cases have had, uh, you know, have experienced child exploitation, who got really invested in the thing because they heard from people they trusted that there was an, there was a serious child exploitation program problem going on, and they wanted to step up and act for it. Now, again, there's the the comparison is not perfect. I don't think you people are akin to um, defending uh, Donald wait, Trump wait, wait, with wait, messianic you purpose. You people, yeah. yeah, you people. But I do I don't think don't there's, there's similar things show, happen. <laughs> similar similar things happen here. I mean, similar kind of parts of our brain get activated when we hear some of these things and we hear you know whether it's you know anti-vaccine stuff after losing three people to suicide during the pandemic or whether it's hearing that the convoy was was secretly funded by Stephen Harper's right-hand man because you hate Stephen Harper I mean it activates something inside of us that compels us to joining these movements or creating movements or disconnecting from the mainstream media or disconnecting from some of these institutions that is really dangerous so all I'm saying to you is Approach this with a little bit more, um, you know, uh, consideration in the future because, you know, this stuff does fucking matter. I mean, like, you know, you mentioned earlier the Buffalo Chronicle. The Buffalo Chronicle, it was a rinky-dink operation that I covered a ton at the time. I think I may have been the first person to really pick up on it. It was a rinky-dink operation that was so amateur hour and it successfully convinced tens of thousands of people, maybe more, that the prime minister was a rapist. And James, by the way, you played into it at the time.
2: I was the it. first person to like tweet about the rumor and it was sloppy, but my intent was like, um, I had Stephen Harper, uh, staffers, uh, former Stephen Harper staffers like telling me stuff. And, and I was like, and I trusted two of these sources cause they had never steered me wrong. And I'm just, I, I so I was a little bit annoyed because no one had reported it and I felt people were sitting on it so that it could inflict maximum damage. So my stupid chess brain, because I only know how to play checkers, was like, "Well, I'll I'll put out the the rumor by just stating what the rumor is and not co-sign it." And then Steve Pagan called me and he's like, "Yeah, you might want to change your mind on that." <laughs> so the next day, it was like 11 hours later, I retweeted it because I don't like taking shit down because I find it cowardly. And I said, "Look, guys, I fucking I was sloppy here. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have put that out. Well, I didn't even put it out because did- I believed it. I just you know it, I was just being." A gonzo towards reporters instead of towards. You were, you know, but you also
4: so, said, you said, you you know why I don't like, I'm sorry, I pulled it up because I actually, I had to go refresh my memory, but you said, you know why I don't like the media? They're all about the tabloid these days. Here's the rumor that I've been sitting, they've been sitting on. Justin Trudeau <laughs> slept with a 17 year old when he was a teacher. Like you're that shit yeah. does damage. So again, yeah. why I'm here is you can, you can hate the story I wrote. You can take issue with it. All well, I'm here for is, just, yeah, well, thank you. Um, is to say that you know, we got we got to be more careful. I mean, you, you don't want to get to a spot where the left, I mean, the, the left is, the left, liberals, the center, has done, even the center right, has done good over the last couple of years of not following into this fucking bug-eyed conspiracy. By the way, plug for my newsletter, Bug-eyed Channels. <laughs> well played, <This> bug- <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this you know, bug-eyed conspiracy world over the last couple of years. Keep it that way. Don't fall down this rabbit hole of deciding that there's men behind the curtain everywhere. Deal with the problems that are actually facing us, as opposed to the ones um, that that are, sort of get inferred and invented.
1: That's
2: fair enough, David. Do you want to? Doctor, yell at I some agree more, with you one hundred
1: percent. I just wanted to say, like. You heard my concerns. I mean, I didn't expect to like you. You seem to be likable though, so damn it. off. the first time I heard that. <laughs> you're a nice guy. Well, he does seem to be a nice guy. We we do my biggest issue was the story, quite honestly, it seemed rushed. Even though you bring up points that are demonstrably true, it just seems to me this is was not up to your previous work, which was outstanding, I have to say. I, I read it all last night. I didn't want to like it. I did like it. <laughs> It was good. Um, but this story, to be quite honest, there are some sloppy details. That's that's all okay. I'm saying. I'm not saying it's untrue. I'm saying some of the details and thoughts are unfinished. Let's com- just say,
2: that David-, count- let's just, let's just say ju- that David... Sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. I'll
3: come to Justin's defense. When you're given a sloppy smorgasbord, it's kind of hard to write about <laughs> And yes, and I have to concede that absolutely. And so I, maybe I took the
1: wrong tack. So I do apologize for for being upset. It's just there's a lot written about me, and my reputation is not the most sterling.
3: I and I understand um, that, and you're under a lot of pressure, David. And I get it. You're 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 the more unique person on this panel at this point because of where your life is right now due to this decision that you've made to come forward. And it's I cost understand me a that. So thing. so the. The urgency of these stories coming out is is seen in your in your um in your demeanor. It's seen in it's heard in your voice. It's it's heard in the and, and I'm not saying that uh, again. This is nothing to do with your credibility. I understand the urgency. The urgency is different on your part than it is maybe to a guy like Justin or a guy like James or somebody else. And it's frustrating as fuck. I can imagine. I just wonder if you would be better served to have a copy of those papers handy so that you could reference when you are questioned by somebody like Justin or somebody like James to be able to say, yeah, you know what? On page 657,000 of this fucking amazingly huge document, um, here it is right here. And you'd be like, oh, shit. Okay, it's right there. I'm just thinking that. I get it. We're putting a lot of carts before horses, and, and, and we're not even bringing horses to some. Carts aren't even in the parking lot in some of these. I get it, but it may all be there. It may all be there. It just isn't there for us to see the way you
1: see it because you were part of it. I can see that absolutely, absolutely. And, and I, I only... think with,
0: with what was said earlier, uh, um, and I'll, I'll credit Justin with saying it, The press needs to take their time and the stuff needs to be studied and uh everything that is is provable needs to be proved people who uh, are responsible for doing things need to be held accountable and and let it be done properly let the truth come out i
1: agree it's just uh... you would
2: probably know better than the rest of our panelists um i think um do, does legacy outlets do they have a habit of sitting on certain stories because they're afraid of optics and things like that?
4: Yes and no. I, I also, I have to. I have. To, I do have to bail after this because I'm sitting in a pool of sweat at this point. It's a million degrees oh. in here. I know it's um,
2: fucking brutal. Can you? prove am are Sitting so, in a pool of sweat. Yeah, I mean, I,
4: I could. I'm not going to, but I, I promise you, I could. <laughs> uh, I have the documents to back it up. Um, yeah. I'll stick. I'll stick a paper to my back and show you how wet it gets. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, listen. I think. I think sometimes yes and sometimes no and sometimes yes for good reasons and sometimes yes for bad reasons. I mean, I, I think... Um, I, I've said for a long time that the media needs to be more transparent with how it goes about stories. And actually, a good example is this, to go back to the these West Point gray rumors about, about the prime minister and, and the Buffalo Chronicle allegations and all this shit that you were bringing up and all uh, James back then. Um, the reality is there were reporters chasing down these allegations that the prime minister slept with an underage student while he was a teacher. And there was a ton of work being done to chase those rumors, to call up the the, the girl who is allegedly, uh, you know, the victim to, to call up her friends, to call up other teachers, other students. And while that work was going on, people on the internet were going, well, he fucked an underage student and the prime minister is a rapist, right? And 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 how you counteract that. The media, I think, should have come out and said, and actually, this is exactly what I did. <laughs> but uh, you, I, you should come out and say, listen, we're working on it. The evidence isn't there. It's not good enough to start spouting off rumors. And actually, we haven't found any evidence of it yet. So everyone calm the fuck down. Um, yeah. that, is, that should be what the media is doing these days, uh, especially with the speed of disinformation that goes out. Um, there needs to be more behind-the-scenes Uh, coverage of how we do our work and how we get to the things we do. And it's part of the reason why I'm doing this newsletter is to try to do a little bit, even if it's, quite frankly, a little sloppy, that's fine, a little rushed, to give you the backstory, to give you some of the behind the scenes, to show you how we arrive at conclusions we get to, to do it fast while stuff is coming out. Um, and in and, and hopes of diffusing and disrupting these these incorrect narratives, whether they're malicious, whether they're earnest uh, at the mm-hmm. source, as opposed to waiting until they get much bigger, much more unwieldy, and it, before it's too late, they've already ensnared a ton of people into A, believing stuff that isn't true or, or not mm-hmm. proven, and B, to distrusting the media because the media hasn't said anything about it.
2: Right. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I'll let you yeah. go, Justin, because I know you gotta you gotta escape your. Thanks Thank you, that, you, too. you
0: know. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Justin. Appreciate it. You too, Actually, Nathan, Good David. to meet
1: you, Justin. Actually, you turned out to be a, a decent, honest guy, and I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks. David. Where are you you right just now? Justin, you. So I'm in Montreal. Yeah.
4: I will not Thanks tell you where. Good work it's in secret, Ottawa, by the way. Thank you. I Appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one, everyone.
2: All right. You too, Justin. Everybody. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked having him on because um, he challenged us. He did it respectfully. I, I think, um, you know, I think, I think maybe we kind of need that sometimes because he made a lot we, of we valid these, points. He did. Yeah, we work yeah, on yeah. these stories, guys. By the way, um, the ones that I've been working on with a certain like you're you're balancing like wanting to get a new story out, right? Because that's a natural way to feel with Mm -hmm. not putting it out until um, it's been proven. But we have given ourselves here at the network a, a little bit of wiggle room because this podcast format becomes where the breaking news happens. David, when you guys were on that first time and you said, like, you dropped, like, one bomb after another in the first five minutes, how was I not supposed to just report what happened on the podcast? Like, how can I not do that? Like, we're in a new train, you
1: know? It's pent up. It, it, it all comes flowing out. I mean, I've been, I've had to keep my mouth shut for almost 30 years. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard, and when you do pull that switch, and it's kind of hard to just stop the truth flowing out of you. It's, uh,
0: well, well, as well, David, you've you, you've you've got the frustration now, and I, I've I've watched these people, the Shapors and the Hallmans, truly set you up and screw you over, and and there's a huge degree of frustration, and and in fact, I I wrote the the premier in Alberta about it. Um, it it it's just wrong what was done to you, and I understand your frustration. All this is broken. Real quickly. Fortunately, I I know just as I'm just a small note in in the papers, but uh,
2: you can be small if you tried, dude. I want to ask you when you went to prison and what gangster you beat up to show that you were like down with like it was the the biggest (laughs)
0: Mexican in my cell. Did you
2: I, I, I was in a cell with
0: 54 guys, 53 of myself. In, in maximum security, this uh, it was called The Range. I was six in 6A. And the, the biggest one, one of the nice things is being a Jewish boy from Winnipeg is I was categorized for the first time in my life as white. And not uh, the it, first it,
2: from Winnipeg, though.
0: Just a, just for, yeah, yeah I could have been a Ukrainian. I was going to um, say, he's pretty
2: tanned for Winnipeg. But uh, how long, how, Nathan, how long did it take you on the inside to help arrange the murder of Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard one.
0: You know, I had to talk to Hillary about it and her phone wasn't secure. It, it was, But anyway, ba- ba- back to back to the, the point that you you, you, you made, and it, it did happen, is that all the people in, in the cell block were, were categorized as to what group. There were the Paisa, which were the Mexican-Mexicans. There was the Southsiders, which were the uh, Mexican-American uh, gang members, the guys with, like, San Diego tattooed on their forehead. Um, mm. There were the whites, which were called Wood. Um, we had one black who I wanted him to become the representative of the whites on the thing. Anyways, the, 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 the biggest Mexican came by my bed, and was he was just a pain in the ass. And he was making a lot of noise and pushing people around and I'm trying to read. And I said, you know, like, fuck off, go to your own area and, and make noise there. I'm trying to read. And he said, I'll go wherever I want. So I stood up and he, he was much bigger than me. They they called him Toro, the bull. And, uh, he, he, he said, I'll go where I want. I said, that's not the way it's going to work. I want my peace. And, uh, then he puffed out his chest. I said, look, it's going to work this way. I'm going to break your hand, and then I'm going to work through every bone in your body. And he took a swing at me, and the next thing you know, he was holding his broken hand, screaming. And later that – what what I found out after is, according to prison rules, all the other Paisa, all the other Mexicans, should have then jumped me. Nobody jumped me because they all liked me and respected me. Um, later on in the the guy got sent off to the uh, the clinic uh, later on the uh, head of the PISA asked for a meeting with me I went and I sat and talked with him he apologized for what happened said it never should have happened that all the PISA respect me and in the future just yeah. to come to him if I have problems
2: you know what and this it- is the beautiful thing about podcasts you don't have any receipts for any of that shit and I'm going to write about it <laughs> you can write about you know i'll
0: I'll show you the receipts for the guy's medical no it's okay it it was just I'll, i'll tell you here i am you know like seven years after the fact more than seven years after the fact first of all everybody that was in the cell and i said there were 54 but people rotated in and out everybody except me was convicted There was nobody that was not convicted. And that's a sign of the American justice system. But Listen, here here uh, we are. Here we are seven years later. I'm still in in touch with a bunch of these people.
2: Okay. Um, Guys, this is a weird way to end it, but I have to end it. My kid, I'm leaving for two weeks and I, and I have to see my kids Uh, and they're about to go to bed. So I'm going to go and do that. Um, the podcast was interesting. I don't know if we got anywhere or any progress, but it was good to have minds that are kind of opposite or whatever. Meet, be civil. Uh, honestly, my biggest takeaway to the podcast is that David didn't, like, swear at
1: Justin, and I think that's a victory. <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> Can I say one that word? was a victory. We one thing before we go. Yeah. Go ahead, David. The, the thing that bothered me the most because it bothered my family was the implication somehow I'm financially benefiting from this. The truth of the matter is, since I refused to turn over Richard to this cult, church, mm. whatever you want to call it, I call it a cult, I have been basically stripped bare. I didn't You've do been this targeted. For- I didn't do this for money. If I was going to be, in terms of money, I was making tens of thousands of dollars a month with these people simply mm. by doing their bidding. So the implication that I was somehow trying to make money with a GoFundMe, I'm trying to get enough money together to get myself and and my family the hell out of alberta and back yeah home.
2: and you know what guys when they talk about you guys like when your critics talk about your role in all this um i have yet to hear anybody say well clearly their motivation uh to collude with one another on this is because how could this be making your life better either one of you you know not at all it's making it I, I,
0: I wish i wish i had nothing to do with this me too but now, now no that i am no problem it, it, it's
2: I'm just kidding. I'm just Come talking. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm gonna let you go. I'm probably gonna talk to both of you on the phone in the next couple of days because we, we're like schoolgirls. We just talk to each other all the time now. <laughs> which is fun. Um you both are really interesting. Listen, I, I understand where Jason's coming from, and I understand where you're coming from. Um and it's 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 a good debate to have in a in a in a at a time when the media is not really um liked by anyone. So Nathan Jacobson, David Wallace, uh we'll talk to both of you guys soon. And thank you for coming today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, David. Um, I'm not going to do a big thing. My kids are waiting for me. And I think that's more important. Um, I want to thank David Wallace. I want to thank Nathan Jacobson, Ryan Lindley, who disappeared when I asked Nathan about killing Jeffrey Epstein. So um, that's a clip. Thank you, Ryan. I, I know where to find that now. And, uh, and thank you to Justin Ling. Um, I think we butt heads in the past. I don't actually, re- I never remember Twitter fights. I'm bad for that. So if I've ever like been called out by someone on Twitter or called out someone else on Twitter back in the day, I'm not going to remember the next day. So it was nice to have him here, um, you know, uh, and uh, and sort of like provide a perspective that wasn't um, excited about the Klondike papers, but more measured and more agnostic. And I appreciate that. So I. to be perfectly honest with you guys about the Adam Scorgi thing, by the way, I still don't know if it's tomorrow or Friday. So I got to text Adam Scorgi, But if, whenever it is, either tomorrow or Friday, we're going to screen his documentary, um, his weed documentary, Culture High. Uh, and it, it's got a whole bunch of people in it. I think it's like Woody Harrelson and like Snoop Dogg and all these other people. Um, so I'll announce something, I guess, tomorrow morning and let you guys know when it's going to be. And until then, uh, thanks everybody in the chat for watching. And we'll see you next time on Black
0: Blackboard Black Black 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 Blackboard
3: I'm Matt Kundel, host of the Sound Off podcast. The show about podcast and broadcast.